0: chapter 22 education a general state education is a mere contrivance for molding people to be exactly like one another and as the mold in which it casts them is that which pleases the predominant power in the government john stuart mill philosopher and economist state school systems suffer from a lack of incentives to make a profit They do not have to advertise for paying customers or use their resources carefully. There is no feedback and thus no quality control through lack of demand. It is therefore not surprising that even in highly developed Germany, the performance of graduates is dropping by the year. A large proportion of high school graduates have problems with reading and writing skills that should be ingrained in primary school. Examination tasks in mathematics for secondary schools from the 1960s are beyond the abilities of most high school graduates today. Another reason for this aberration is the indoctrination mentioned in the opening quotation. Both teachers and students are exposed to the political ideas of those in power at state and even private schools through mandatory curriculum and other guidelines. They cannot escape the experiments constantly being imposed on the education system. A current German zeitgeist idea, for example, is the enforced inclusion of severely handicapped people in normal classes, which leads to an overall slowdown in learning progress. What may benefit the severely handicapped is harmful to everyone else. This inevitably reduces the level of education as there is less learning taking place in the time available. Another fashion is to give as many students as possible the highest possible level of education. However, as not everyone is equally suited to obtain the highest educational qualifications, the requirements must be reduced further and further. This devalues the corresponding degrees, especially high school and university diplomas. It also means that people who have been able to earn a living as skilled workers in years past will instead acquire university degrees in soft subjects not in demand on the job market. Finally, formal education should begin as early as possible, completely institutionalized and far from the home and far from real life in a supervised parallel universe. The result is expected to be a productive adult who is solution-oriented, goal-oriented, and flexible in mastering even the most difficult tasks. In other words, he should master a reality of which he has no clue at all. The widespread view that education leads automatically to higher income and higher productivity is also a fallacy. It is only the increased demand for certain occupations in certain sectors that will ensure that more graduates from these fields, and only from these, will be able to increase productivity. If there is insufficient demand for university graduates, then they need to take up occupations for which no university degree would have been necessary. In terms of income and productivity, they have wasted years of their lives, burdened themselves with useless student loans, or made needless use of the taxpayers' money. The reason why those in power cannot refrain from keeping schools and universities under close control is that young people are most easily influenced. There was, and still is, an interest in every system to attract conformists who are as uncritical as possible and who do not question the truths proclaimed by the state. Basic Insights However, conformists do not innovate. Since a social order can only ever be as good as the individuals in it, much more freedom for educational concepts must be granted in free private cities. Therefore, curriculum requirements must be dispensed with and all types of courses and concepts permitted. Of course, schools and universities should also be run for profit. This is the only way to combine the best possible offer with efficiency and customer satisfaction. Within a free private city, the transfer of knowledge within the family would not be criticized as an unjust privilege, but be expressly welcomed as a particularly efficient personal initiative. The systematic gathering of -of out-of-school experience, for example, through assistance in the family business, in clubs, or in holiday jobs, is just as important as formal education. The example of a free private city illustrates just how absurd the demand for free education is. The funds for this can only come from the alleged beneficiaries themselves, whether they pay an increased basic fee, or whether they do real estate or other business with the operator, from whose income the free private city can then pay the school tuition fees. This variant is quite conceivable, but it is not free. In fact, behind the human right to education, there hides the profane desire to live at the expense of others. It is important that contractors understand that education is a service like any other and must be paid for accordingly, either by the users of the respective institutions, by all contract citizens equally, or by private donors and organizations. This does not exclude anyone from access to education. There are numerous examples of private schools that successfully provide education in the poorest places in the world with little money. Parenting, on the other hand, is primarily a matter for parents, not for schools. In this respect, parents are also liable for their children's behavior. This should certainly be unambiguously communicated by the city operator. It is possible that, over time, Service providers will establish themselves who, in addition to education, will also explicitly take over aspects of child rearing. Compulsory schooling? What has been said so far speaks against compulsory schooling. Whether this is the case, however, also depends on the circumstances. A free private city in a developing country or a migrant city may conclude that compulsory schooling to accelerate urban development makes sense, while it can be avoided elsewhere. If one advocates compulsory education or has to implement it on the basis of the treaty with the host state, the operator will need to comply and cover the required costs. If one does not want to establish one's own school system despite compulsory schooling, then the issue of education vouchers is an alternative. But it might also make sense to promote school attendance in this way without formal compulsory schooling. In this model, the costs are covered, for example, by an increased basic fee for the contract citizens, in exchange for which they are entitled to the education vouchers which their children can redeem at the school of their choice. The schools then turn in the vouchers to the operator for payment of the tuition fees. Compulsory schooling could be limited to requiring the completion of one or more examinations at a given age, testing reading and writing skills as well as basic arithmetic, and possibly further qualifications at a later age. Other than that, those affected are free to choose any school and any system. Homeschooling is, of course, also permitted. Curricula. The problem of potentially indoctrinating children and young people naturally exists in free private cities as much as anywhere else. For whatever reasons, teachers in particular seem to be especially receptive to the idea that a just world order can be constructed by means of state intervention. They will pass those ideas more or less directly on to their students. A possible result. After a few years, the whole system tilts to the left, the liberty-minded move away, the city operator sells off his assets, and under the cheers of the citizens, a redistributive welfare state is introduced, which then steadily expands with the usual, entirely predictable end result. In this respect, it is important that the basic ideas of self-determination and personal responsibility, as well as the basic principles of a free private city, namely the Golden Rule, the principle of reciprocity, and the principle of voluntariness, are taught to young people and all new citizens in general, even if the content of teaching is fundamentally free. This can also be done in systems without compulsory school attendance by the free private city itself, offering such courses on its own premises or sending corresponding speakers to the existing schools. In any case, education for hatred and violence should not be tolerated, and such school providers should be dismissed for violating the citizen's contract. Operation of Schools and Universities Moreover, the operator should limit himself to attracting good providers instead of running his own schools and universities, even if compulsory education is ordered. And even if there is no compulsory school attendance, and the operator neither runs its own schools nor finances school education, the world will not come to an end. Correspondingly favorable and good school opportunities will result from the profit motive. The operator's job is to convince relevant providers to come to the free private city in addition to private school operators there are a large number of private universities and institutes which teach knowledge and skills with very different models the existence of truly free universities without politically correct teaching and research restrictions combined with the application of new learning methods can even become a proven competitive advantage of a free private city. Renowned professors do not need to be shouted down by 20-year-olds for a wrong opinion. Scholarships from the operator or third parties can provide further training for those who would otherwise not be able to afford it. Those who discover as adults that a better education would have been possible and useful for them can make up for it. This also applies to basic skills such as reading and writing. The Internet also offers the opportunity to educate oneself or one's children. The world's best speakers can literally be brought into one's own living room via Internet video services. The number of relevant education and training opportunities is encouragingly extensive.